You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Clayton's season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 276. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a great show for you today. PJ Henderson from Michelle's season of The Bachelorette joins us. You may be asking yourself, who is PJ Henderson? Well, I hope you listen to today's podcast to get to know him a little bit more. And we'll get to him momentarily. I've always said it. You've heard me say it. If you've listened to this podcast enough, everyone's got a story. In this franchise, some people's stories are just more interesting than others. And that couldn't be more true today than with our guest, PJ, because you probably don't remember much from him from Michelle's season. And rightfully so. He got eliminated the second episode. Never had a one-on-one date, went on one group date, eliminated the second episode. We talk a little bit about his time on the show, how he even got on the show in the first place, did he even watch the show, stuff like that. But the reason I'm having PJ on is because of his story about his brother, Bakari, who was murdered back in 2017. I don't want to spoil it here all in the open, but it's a very, very interesting story. It's gut-wrenching, and just to hear him talk about it and to share it with everybody, I, I knew I had to have him on. I remembered the story when the cast was released, and I was hearing, you know, getting the last names of contestants and putting it out And after Facebook had released the first names, and I was posting all the guys that I had found, that day, when I got P.J. Henderson, it was brief that I knew about the story, and I actually put it in the Twitter profile that I had of him. And I knew I wanted to have him on at some point, and I reached out to him, and he said, sure, and so here we are. And I really, really hope you take the time to listen to this podcast. I do, because I think it's very important, and I think this is something that you really, really need to to listen to and maybe help out if you can you don't have to but I did and just because I liked the story so that's coming up uh, in a little bit one thing I wanted to talk about that's been brought up to me in regards to Instagram and the spoilers and stuff like that because I've seen it written in some of the comments on my Instagram about what happened to the still photos I just want to be able to swipe through and get the and get the spoilers that way, and you know we're at a point now. Like I like I said when I started doing more social media stuff with spoilers, there's just it, it, it's tough to know who. Not everybody that listens to the podcast reads the website. Not everybody that reads the website listens to the podcast. Not anybody that does either one of them also follows on social media. So you just never really know. So I'm just putting it out at all channels: website, podcast, reels. TikTok, which is Reality Steve 20. But the reason why I've done the reels is because time is money and I can make money off reels. I didn't know this till a month ago, but that's why I'm putting it in reels because it's making me money. It'd be stupid not to. Now, I still do the still photos. It just goes on my Instagram stories and deletes after 24 hours. But the reels, they're on my Instagram feed, so they're always going to be there. And you, I, I hope you all understand that the reels that I'm doing are just a repeat of the spoilers I gave you at the beginning of the season. 
I'm just putting it in verbal form for the people who don't remember what I said back in, you know, December when I spoiled the episode, when I had the episode by episode spoilers for the season. And it's just like a weekly reminder. Okay, this is coming up. So, yeah. So you don't have to keep going back every week like, oh, okay, let me go back to where he wrote about episode four. It's just like here. Here's the Rose Ceremony number four spoilers and stuff like that. So it's just a way to keep up. And because I know, you know, people's memory retention when it comes to the show is not very great. And it's just a weekly reminder of here it is. But the reason why I've gotten rid of putting the still photos on my Instagram feed is because I don't get paid that way. And the reels make me money. I'd be dumb not to do it in reels. And I wish I would have known it earlier. I could have made more money. But it's going to be in reels now, and it'll still go up on my Instagram stories where you just swipe through and there's your spoilers. Now, for the remainder of the season, you know, the spoilers have always been about here's who got the group date, here's who got the one-on-one, here's who got the other group date or the other one-on-one, and here's who got eliminated, and here's the drama. Well, we only got three people left. So at this point, anything that, I've do, that I'm going to do on reels and, and in social media form on TikTok is going to be about the stuff that, you know, like I said, the stuff I'm going to reveal next week, which is here's what I've got. It's probably going to take me a little bit longer to explain it because I don't have all the answers right now. So that's where uh, we're at with that. So as for yesterday, just kind of going over the what I posted yesterday, I know people, you know, have to know everything the minute I know something, and usually I will give that to you. But in this situation... There's a lot of moving parts in the finale, and I just want as much as I can get is really all it is. And because if I were to just give you what I have now, you would still have more questions that I don't have answers to. And I think if I give myself a little more time, I might be able to fill in some of the missing parts. But if I don't, I'll just give you what I have. I'm just giving myself a few more days to try and get something, and that's all. I'm not trying to lead anybody on. I was told what the ending was. And I say ending, and it's just even people ran with that. I thought you said last week there was no finality. It's just like, okay, you're using final and the word ending, and they're somewhat similar. It's just like, I I guess the wording I should use is, I know what happens in Iceland. Towards the quote unquote ending of the show, but I don't even know how to word it anymore without somebody reading into it and, you know, misquoting me. But, um, yeah, you just have to wait until until Tuesday because I just want to see if I can get some more information. So it'll because, like I said, right now, if I tell what if I tell it to you right now, you're going to have more questions and I'm going to be bombarded with questions about. But what about this? But what about this? How does it explain this? And I just I'm not going to have answers to that. And hopefully I can get those. I'd rather I'd rather at least give myself some time to get answers to those. And then if I don't, then I'll have to answer those next week. Or I'm not going to have any answers for you, but I'll have to deal with those questions being fired at me next week. I just want to give myself a little more time and see what I can pull to kind of piece it all together. Because there's a lot, and it's, I I wouldn't even say, I guess guess it all depends on what your definition of the word major is. I guess it just all depends on, it's just pieces and little things of, okay, so when this happens, what does that mean for this? And as I wrote yesterday, 
you know, do, how does it mean how many people, you know, met the parents and where, where are we down to with this and at what point? So if that happened, then what happens later on? And like, I know that doesn't make any sense to you because you don't know what I'm talking about, but hopefully it'll be a little more clear when I was able to give you what I, what I can on Tuesday and hopefully it's a little bit more. So, uh, that's it for that. And again, I'm just trying to do my best here to give you as much as I can when I finally reveal it. And that's all it is. But here we go. You're going to really like this one. Podcast number 276. All right, let's bring him in. Uh, You saw him on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette. He is currently a fighter, fighter, and EMT in the city of Houston. It is PJ Henderson. PJ, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, You have a story that... I'm guessing a lot of the fans don't know about, and it's why I wanted to bring you on, but I do want to talk a little bit about your experience on the show first and kind of how you felt about the whole thing. So first off, how did you end up getting cast on this season? Had you watched Michelle on Matt's season? Where did it all start for you? Um, I actually had not watched uh, any any seasons of the, of the show before, prior to. Um, but, uh, they, um, it was, uh, they reached out to, um, to me for, a uh, producer reached out to me for a similar show. It was a little bit different, um, uh, that I, I wasn't really interested in. And I kind of filled out the application stuff like that for that. And, uh, they kind of had my, they had my stuff on file. So they reached back out to me again and said, would you be interested in, you know, possibly dating Michelle? And they showed me Michelle and I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know much about the show, but I mean, she seems like, you know, a great girl and. I think that, you know, we would mesh together pretty well, and I was interested. So And so you hadn't even – so other than – because Michelle was announced, you know, very early. We we found out last March when they when Matt's season ended, we were going to uh-huh. get back-to-back seasons of The Bachelorette. We were going to get Katie and then Michelle. So you had – obviously, I don't know at what point they reached out to you or whatever, but you had a – you knew what your Bachelorette looked like. You knew you could do some sort of – studying up on her did you do any studying up on her um i made a point not to because uh i didn't want to come in with like uh you know this is kind of funny now after the fact seeing how some guys had <laughs> notes and things like that but i didn't want to come in with a game plan. i wanted to be organic like you know like you'd meet somebody up the street that you had an attraction to so yeah. i didn't do too much background now i mean you only lasted to the second rose ceremony so there isn't a ton to go over here, but there were a few things that I wanted to touch on. First, you went on one date, which was the group date with the kids asking questions and then the musical chairs. Um, the other group date that episode was the basketball date. Now, even though you played football in college at Lamar, would you have rather been on the basketball date or was that date fine for you? Um, I think I would have – for sure, I would have definitely much rather been on the basketball date. <laughs> It was that much. It was that much better than what you had to go through. Oh, 100 percent. And especially like seeing after the fact, like how how they looked out there. I think uh, I think that would have been that would have been really good for me. Yeah. Um, how did you do in the musical chairs? Were you out? Were you one of the first ones out? How, how did it last for you? Because they only show like obviously edited clips, and we only saw the the Peter and um, I believe Jamie stuff. Right? Was it Peter and Jamie that were at it? No. Right. No, not no. That was me. That was me. Well, I, so I actually won musical chairs. It was me and Pete at the end. Oh, you won it. Yeah. Oh. I won the musical chairs, yeah. Who was then who was the one that Peter was feuding with? Cuz Jamie had the oh, one that on was, one that week. Right, so the 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 feud I, that was with Will. 
Oh, uh, yeah, Will, sorry. Yeah, okay. Will, right. Um, yeah, and then they were, yeah, they were saying things, and when you had to give your answers, they were saying things about each other. Okay. <laughs> right. um, but the night that you were eliminated mm-hmm. was when, at that cocktail party, the whole controversy with Jamie and the light-skinned baller comment came to light. Where did you stand on that whole thing while you were there? Were you more involved in what was shown? Did you stay out of it? What What exactly happened that you heard, and was this something totally blown out of proportion, or he was just kind of talking out of his ass and kind of put his foot in his mouth? Um, well, he definitely put his foot in his mouth. But um, but before that, it was uh, actually leading up to, to the ceremony that whole week. Uh, it, it came up earlier. It was more of a joke. Like somebody else had brought it up. And uh, it was kind of like a joke, a little funny thing with Joe being there and things like that. And then um, I think and then uh, I'm not Nate, I'm sorry. And then Jamie went back to it and brought it up again and kind of, you know, tried to burn that in like in, in her head, I guess. I don't know what, you know, he was trying to get out of that. But at the time, I didn't know it was Jamie. Uh, there's like a small clip of me talking to Jamie at the bar. And I'm kind of just like, you know, who, who's got time to, you know, go out of their way to talk about some stuff that happened who knows what when we're you know all trying to build a relationship here with the small time we have and of course he acted like he didn't know who it was and you know <laughs> him the whole time so yeah but yeah it was just i was trying to figure out who it was it didn't make sense to me why that even mattered honestly so. yeah no it's and it seemed like that was the whole thing with with a lot of the guys i mean when you were there obviously you were only you were there probably less than a week in terms of from when filming started to when you left but could you see early on that she had favorites in Joe and Nate? Like when you left the show, even though there were still over around 20 guys left, did you have in your mind, like, I think she'll probably end up with this guy? Like, where were you at with that? Um, I was thinking, uh, I wouldn't say favorites. I mean, Nate was, uh, he got the first impression, Rose. Uh, uh, apparently he was the first one out of the limo. You know, he was the he was the guy from he was pretty much the front runner from the beginning, I think, you know. Yeah. Six eight, you know, she's a basketball player, so it's like it's hard to compete with <laughs> off the jump. So I figured, you know, he was definitely getting that first impression rose. I figured, you know. I haven't watched the show before, but I figured that meant a lot. You know, it's literally the first impression. Yeah. And then um with Joe as well, it's just just like their background, you know. I didn't think he had an upper leg or anything like that, you know, because it came out I guess that well he said it, you know, that he, they had a situation where they, you know, he left her on, he ghosted her a little bit, left her on red. And I was like, you know, well, that kind of puts him, he's got to overcome that to move forward now. So it's, it's like, you know, he doesn't necessarily have a leg up, but I just figured, you know, just on their history of growing up in uh, Minnesota and, and their basketball history, I felt like, you know, that he kind of would be a favorite as well. What was your, in your time on the show, was there anything that, I don't know, caught you off guard or something you surprised about the whole thing? Like, in the in the few days that you were there, what was your take of the whole experience? Um, I'd say something that caught me off guard was just the uh, just actually like the actual amount of time that you had to uh, to kind of talk to Michelle and kind of get to know her a little bit, and uh, it was just it was hectic, you know. And, I, and like you said, I was I was gone early, so it may have been different after I left. But uh, it's just uh, if you're if you're not somebody who you know throws yourself out there, you know, and and, and is super you know, open and outgoing and, you know, things like that. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more laid back and reserved. I think that kind of, you know, bit me in the end. But it, the time was short, a lot shorter than I expected in the beginning, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, we've, we've heard stories over the years of, especially that first night, because it lasts till the wee hours of the morning, that even though it lasts till the wee hours of the morning, not every single guy or girl, when it's dealing with The Bachelor, 
gets time with the lead. It's just all about kind of how production wants things to go, and you're just kind of at their mercy. Um, did you get time with Michelle on the first night? Um, I did not. Aside okay. from the intro, I did not. No. Besi- okay, so besides your limo entrance, you never spoke to her on the first night at the cocktail party. No, no I did not. <laughs> yeah, and that's never a good sign. Um, yeah. What about at the cocktail party the night you left? Did you get any time with her? Um, the night I left, I did not get time with her again. What about the group date that you were the group date after party when I think that was with the with the jacket in the pool, right? Was that that was that that group uh, date? I think that was uh, the next. I think that was the next, that was the next group episode. Date, I think. Okay, that was the next. Yeah, group. next episode. But um, but 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 that's definitely when all that kind of kicked off. Uh, yeah, at the pool. But um, I I did get a little bit. Excuse me, I did get a little bit of time with her that night. We uh tossed some bags, played a little cornhole, and um, we got a little bit of time that night. That was my really only my you know my only time with her. Yeah, time I, was, I, was there. I was gonna say outside of the limo entrance, that was your only because you, if you didn't talk to her the first night cocktail party, you didn't talk to her the cocktail party the night of the rose ceremony, then yeah, that would have been it the, the the group date after party. And um, so you played a little cornhole. Obviously, for whatever reason, nothing uh, was established strong right. enough for her to keep you around and whatnot. And you know, you go home, and that's just kind of the way it is. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think you you hit on it, and it's been said over the years. You really. I mean, the quieter, shy, laid back usually just don't do well on this show. It's just, you know, it's these type A personalities that whether they're doing it on purpose or not, right? Or you know, that gets you time. And, you know, if you're a good soundbite, that keeps you on the show. There's just a lot of factors. And clearly someone who had never watched the show and had no idea, like, yeah, you probably wouldn't be, into, you, you know, it just wasn't in the cards for you on this, which is really, I mean, it sucks, but it sounds like you had at least a good little week vacation or how, how, yeah. how many days did you guys have to quarantine? Five days? Uh, it's like a week. Okay. So yeah. you, I mean, so you had, you had two weeks out there. It was probably hot as hell too. Um, I do remember being, I mean, July and <laughs> Indian Wells can't be, uh, can't be very cool yeah. or breezy. Um, right. Here, here's a funny story. Now, I, um, you know, as as a guy who spoils the show and stuff like that, I, I, um, it was beginning of September. It was like right around. It was like right after. I think Michelle's season had just ended filming, and I hadn't heard anything yet. I, you know, pictures had gotten out when they started traveling to Minnesota and stuff like that, and I knew that Nate lasted long, and I knew that Joe lasted long. Um, but around the beginning of September, I, I, I remember specifically where I was. I was in Las Vegas because I was out there for first week of NFL as my annual trip. And I started hearing rumblings that the next Bachelor is going to be from one of Michelle's guys. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And at the time, I didn't have really much of a breakdown of when guys were eliminated other than I knew Nate lasted long and Joe lasted long. And a couple other guys that I knew had been there, you know, final six, final eight-ish. Um, but I didn't know anything up to that point. So for all I knew, um, you could have still been there. And then not only did I hear rumblings about, oh, the next Bachelor's coming from Michelle's season, I, I was, it was confirmed to me that one of the next locations for the next Bachelor season was going to be in Houston. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. So if the next Bachelor's going to be – from Michelle's season, and they're going to film an episode in Houston, I got to think that, you know, because in the past, you don't know this, but me being a, a historian of the show, in the past, when they've had a Bachelor season, 
and they've gone to a city like a Houston, there was usually a tie that the bachelor had to that city. So I went, so as I'm, as I'm hearing this, I look back, I'm looking at the cast list and I'm like, well, maybe the bachelor is PJ, but this guy's from Houston. He's a, He's an EMT. He's a firefighter. Looks like a good story. At the time, I had no idea that you lasted two episodes. If I would have known that, um, right. I was like, "There's no way he's going to be the Bachelor." Um, but that was <laughs> that's what ended up happening. I thought you were going to be the Bachelor back in early September <laughs> before I knew anything. So there's my story. Um, I when I found out they were going to Houston, I put two and two together. Hopefully, and I was like, maybe this is it. Obviously, I never. Um, it, it, it never ended up coming out that way. But, um, yeah, when they went to Houston, I was like, maybe. Because I didn't know how long you lasted. I, I thought right. maybe he still – maybe he lasted to the final three or final four, and this is a perfect setup, and that's why they're going to Houston. But, yeah, they go to Houston for, for Clayton, and um, there was really no rhyme or reason other than I think he knew one of the players on the Texans. So I guess that was their reasoning for going. But for a guy like – um. You know, for a guy like Clayton, I don't know how much time you spent with him in the man, you know, in a mansion, but out in Indian Wells. I mean, what what were your impressions of the guy? Did you talk to him a lot or no? Uh, yeah, I met uh, Clayton pretty early off, just off of uh, you know, just being former football players. I feel like we had a common ground to kind of make some small talk, and from there, he seemed like a good guy. You know, family oriented, uh, and uh, we had a mutual friend or two that. Uh, he played with in college, and uh, we, we kind of—he seemed like a good guy. I, I like Clayton a lot. Did you ever think that he was going to get the gig? Like, did it ever uh, cross your mind? That never crossed my mind, but I mean, I can see why. I mean, he—I mean, he looks—he's he's like Superman. You know, he's, he's like, <laughs> you know, they were calling—we're calling him Klanos out there. He's like, you know, like big Thanos guy. He's nice. He's, yeah, he's—he's he's a good guy. He's a good guy for it. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're we're on pins and needles waiting to find out what happens on his season. Seems like a total mess of what happens <laughs> at the end. Um, uh, I'm getting closer to figuring out what happened, uh, but we'll get to that later on. Um, so I did, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, you're only on two episodes. There wasn't a whole hell of a lot to kind of go over. Um, you didn't get to interact too much, but you know, the, when, when the cast list was announced and it first came out, you know, they released the guys about three days before filming started. You guys are already quarantined, so you, you know, couldn't be online and seeing any of this stuff. But, you know, when I was told about you, the story of your brother Bakari came up, and it was something that I, I put out there at the time. And I didn't, you know, because I didn't know how long you lasted, I didn't know if this story was going to get brought to light on the show. Obviously, if you got deeper into a relationship with Michelle and got a one on one date, I'm positive you would have told her the story of your brother. But since mm-hmm. it never got out on TV, I wanted to bring you on to talk about it now because what I read is um, is really heartwarming stuff and stuff that you know think I think people should know about because you never got to tell this story on the show. So um, your your brother Bakari was younger than you, and I don't think what I've read about him would do it any justice to talk about his accolades and the type of person that he was. So why don't you just tell the audience about who your brother Bakari was? Um, to me, it's, uh, actually it's still, it's still funny to hear the, uh, oh, first I'd like to thank you for that, for this opportunity to talk about, um, but, um, it's, it, the, when you talk about the accolades, it's funny you say that because, uh, I was talking to a family, family member about it a few weeks ago about, you know, just re, you know, re thinking back on some things and, 
the accolades are a lot of times well, we were five years apart in age. So, you know, I was in high school, he was in middle school, things like that. I went off to college. He was still in school and I, and I was very much into the things I was doing at the time. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't even know about a lot of these accolades until, you know, after the fact, you know, I'm like, well, he's graduated 4.0. He's doing this. He's in this program. He went here and there. I'm, you know, I'm hearing these things. And uh, it's just it's just funny because he's he's such a he, it's just totally him. That's him the whole way. You know, he's he's such a he was such a big, big thinker, dreamer. You know, he's larger than life. Everything he wanted to do, everything. He was always, you know, thinking one or two steps ahead. And uh, it's just funny because I still see him as, you know, the, the little kid, you know, I used to, you know, mess around and, you know, beat up on. Yeah. And, you know, he used to run behind me. I'd be like, Mom, you know, does he have to come? Does he have to follow us? You know, it's stuff like that is uh, how I see it still. And uh, so it's it's it's, it, it's fun because I feel like almost like I'm still learning about him myself because uh, I like to talk to people that – um that knew him in, in, in phases of his life where we were not as close because we were, you know, he was in school and I was starting the fire department and things like that. And it's, uh, it's kind of, it's like nice to be able to, you know, put those pieces together for the whole puzzle. And um, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's the life of, of, of the party. You know, he's a bright, you know, charismatic, fun, you know, it's just, and my, my dad said something about, uh, <clears throat> when he was interviewed recently kind of about everything that, that's going on and he was like uh, if those guys only had a chance to uh to meet him you know the guys that did that they would love them and it's just like i've never met anybody who had anything bad to say about him you know yeah so, you know re- in reading about your brother um you know to hear that he overcame dyslexia and got a full academic scholarship graduated from the university of arizona uh, with a degree in business finance and, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's amazing to read. And then to see that he had a whole dream of, of launching a, a sportswear line, Bakari luxury sportswear. And he had, you know, put this together as a teenager and you just don't, it doesn't happen very often where someone as a teenager knows, you know, this is what I want to do. And it's not like, Oh, I want to be, you know, whatever, a firefighter, a football player, a basketball player. He wanted to be an entrepreneur and have a, a, a luxury clothing line. And he had, you know, got it started. And then in the summer of 2017, he travels to Greece with a few of his friends and mm-hmm. senselessly was murdered. And obviously there's a lot to, um, to unpack here. Uh, there's only, you know, I mean, what can you say about and can share with the audience in terms of what happened. Um, I'm sure you remember the moment you found out what went through you. Uh, explain all that. Um, I was, uh, I was out with some guys from work that evening actually. Uh, and it was, uh, late. I was coming, I was pulling in the, I was living in this apartment complex at the time. I was, I was literally at the gate pulling in. Uh, I see my phone is going off to my dad. You know, it's uh, it's probably like three in the morning at this point, uh, Central Time. Like, uh, this can't be, nothing good can be, you know, coming from this call. But I'm just, you know, it, I would have never imagined in a million years it was that. So you know, he, he told me, and I was just, it is just a shock. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't understand. It. I couldn't believe it. You know, I was just kind of, like, you sure, you sure? There's no way. Like, there's no way. You know, and um, luckily at the time, my uncle was living in Houston, so. I went home and I was just trying to, you know, just throwing stuff in the bag, trying to, 
figure out what I was going to do. And, and he came and they picked me up and drove me back to Austin, which is where my parents live, where we grew up. Uh, it was uh, and literally when I walked in the house that morning, my mom was first person I saw on the laptop. She's working. You know, she was on it trying to, you know, be in contact with the embassy and figure out what we need to do and who, you know, who to contact. And it was just like I was, it was everything happened so fast for me. And she was so strong to kind of hit the ground running with everything. Uh, definitely frontlined everything we had going on. And uh, we we just uh, it was it was a lot at the time. So it still is a lot thinking back, but um, the um, I don't know if you want me to go into detail like what happened out there, but that's kind of that's how I found out. Okay. Um, yeah, and it uh, it's still it just the, the my dad's voice on the phone. It was just like you know something I've never heard from him, and uh, it, it it definitely resonates in me today. You know, think back on it, but. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say about what happened to him out there in terms of, you know, what you guys have found out? Did you, you know, from when you found out back in 2017 versus have you found new stuff out in the last five years that you didn't know about at the time when you first heard about the murder? Um, uh, I've heard, so basically just heard some different things from, you know, from their side of it. Uh, the things that we know happened are still uh, still concrete and still remain the same. Uh, just some things from their side that were saying that maybe incited it or things like that that they're saying are a little bit different. But uh, the things that we know happened, and also there's been um, there's been more footage now than what we've seen over the last four years. Uh, as of the last few weeks, I've seen more footage than I've seen in total so i guess there's more footage out now mm. and um it shows a, a better picture of what started it you know things like that they're saying it was like a little slap you know the guy there was definitely more than a slap that started it. the guy you know struck my brother in the face and um it it shows um just it, it's a better view of kind of the the senselessness of it you know how it could have been you know stopped or de-escalated so many times and it wasn't and um also it's just to see the way that um these guys carry themselves in court and things like that is uh there's not really a lot of remorse uh, i don't think there's been an apology or didn't mean to or anything like that uh from any of them Sheesh. from from uh, aside from you know when they were first tried even to now so it's like, you know, even, you know, you just, just out of being, you know, humanity, you would think, you know, hey, I didn't mean, we didn't mean for this to happen. But, you know, that's what their attorneys are saying. But these guys have not um, voiced that same type of remorse to me or my family, you know, my parents, anything like that. And uh, that's tough. Uh, and the, the, just the court system out there is, um, I mean, I, people hear about the dates and a lot of friends and family and things like that. People reach out to me and, you know, they're, they're confused and, it's 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 hard for me to explain, but their court system is very different um, than what we're used to here. And as far as just um, resources, representation, things like that, that we you know kind of have an abundance of, they don't. And um, so things take a little bit longer. Everybody has to have these you know be in line with their days and their schedule, things like that uh, that wouldn't normally hold up the process here. Kind of make it a little bit longer and more difficult out there. And then. Obviously, the language barrier between us, the Greeks, um, the guys of Serbian descent. Uh, so there's a lot of interpreting, a lot of, you know, the things just take a little bit longer. Um, 
so that's something a lot of people don't understand as well it's kind of hard to 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 you know make people understand it's just because we know what we know here in the u.s and how things go and it's very different there so i guess i guess one question i had and i don't, I don't even know if you can answer this but I, I i wanted to ask was this a situation because i know that you said uh, you had told me off air that there were nine guys involved with this was this a situation where he was jumped and then died due to injuries or he was it was like I, I don't I, like how can you answer that it, was this um, a fight outside uh, of a club right it was a it was something that started inside the club okay. um they both the, the guys got it was, it was clearly visible it got started inside the club over a selfie um okay. it was a selfie is a the, the 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 cocktail waitress she took a selfie with my brother and then the guy you know visibly comes up to her and is like hey there's this this is a Serbian bar there's so many Serbians in here why are you taking a picture with this black guy and then you know then he struck him and then that's when you know my brother defended himself there got put outside and then the guy goes back to get some more of the guys inside they come outside and they try to attack him there you know just a little verbal altercation and then it's just him you know trying to get away and then he's just uh you know he gets caught up attacked by uh, all of them at the same time so it's definitely uh you know succumbed to his injuries mm. from uh from being jumped if yeah for lack of a better term like a mob it's like a lynching basically wow god so. that's that's awful um and i'm you know i'm you know i'm sorry to hear that i it's can't be um pleasant to even think about did you as a family ever um have you guys gone to greece since um yeah, uh, so my parents have been i think four times four or five times for trial mm-hmm. we went for the sentencing me and my sister went along with some more of our family uh back for the first for the initial trial the end of it and we just went back out for the beginning of the retrial um that was about a week and a half ago a week ago so, yeah oh, okay. we went back to greece so actually just getting back from greece so the sentencing so. in general um like you had, like it mentioned, there were nine guys involved in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Just tell everybody, like, what happened? Were these guys um, thrown in jail? Where, where are we at with these nine guys that were tried for this? Um, so there was nine, six got sentenced. Um, so that three go initially. Six were sentenced. And, um, only, I believe, three of the six, no, two of the six are already back out. Uh, they did whatever time they had. Uh, it was minor misdemeanor type stuff. Um, none of them are charged are tried, charged with murder. Uh, but there is one that's still detained that we've seen, and he's still under trial. The other, so there's four that are still being tried um, now. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so basically five have gotten off so far, <laughs> and there's still four we're trying to get uh, heavier sentencing for as of now. Obviously, that I mean that can't sit well with you. I, it just I, I, I mean, I, if, as someone, I, I mean, I can't even imagine the position that you're in. But even having that play out, and then knowing that the people involved really get up, got off on this mm-hmm. and didn't serve, didn't sound like they served a lot of time, and for mm-hmm. for the death of somebody, like I, I, you know, that's. That's got to be tough. How do you how do you even deal with that? Um, it, it it's been tough. It's been a journey because it's just to know, uh, you know, 
what he meant to to me and my family and everybody that knew him just for for this to be able to happen and and basically guys get slapped on the wrist for it has been uh it's it's been hard to swallow it just kind of makes it feel like you know uh maybe he wasn't looked at as you know as you know as as an equal person or something you know it's just it's it's hard to say, you know, that they, well, it's not hard to say because I'm living it. So it is, it, it does appear that he was overlooked. Like he didn't matter, you know, like it, like lesser than, you know, so it's just, it's a bad feeling, but um, it, you know, we're, we've been blessed with the retrial and I think uh, we'll get a better, better outcome this time. I'm hoping for it. So. Yeah, I think and everyone listening to this, I'm sure, uh, and myself, uh, hoping for it as well. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to keep up on this and just kind of want to know, um, uh, you know, what happens in the future. And, you know, once this all went down, in honor of your brother, uh, you started the Bakari Foundation. So I want you right. to, you know, let everybody know exactly what the Bakari Foundation is, what you guys do for people. And if somebody is interested, how they can apply uh, for this. Okay. Um, yeah, so the Bakari Foundation um, is something that we started in his name, his honor, just to uh, kind of help some families through some of the stuff that we dealt with, just because we understand that, you know, how strenuous it can be and uh, things like that, and uh, especially if you don't have the resources. So we try to raise money to um, people apply for uh, fam, they the families apply for families that have lost somebody um, due to violence. So you apply, and then we pick. Uh, we the first year we were able to do it, we sent a family that we chose. Uh, we have a whole board run um, that chooses and um, that goes through the applications, things like that. And uh, we sent a family to Disney World is what they wanted to do. Uh, their daughter got killed, and the, the little boy and the parents they wanted to go to Disney World. We sent them, and they came down to the to the actual foundation event, which was nice. And we, uh, awarded them that. And, um, uh, we, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, we had an auction, things like that to raise money. So we also do things in the community. Uh, we're involved with, um, the Austin AISD school district with providing kids, uh, backpacks, supplies, things like that, that they need to go to school. Um, we have, uh, also raised money, for uh, clothing drives, things like that for kids back in Austin and uh, lower income areas mm -hmm. that don't have clothes and things like that to go to school. And so now we're trying to moving forward. We have uh, we'd like to take the families that um, have applied, the ones that are able to go to uh, Costa Rica this year is what we're trying to do. We COVID had pushed it back um, a couple of years, actually. So we're trying to go to Costa Rica for like a kind of healing retreat. You know, we'll be there as well. So everybody heal and uh, work on healthy ways to to grieve and move forward um with uh you know with your life as, as, as normal as possible so you know yeah. we're that's uh what we're doing this year and moving forward but um it's not a local thing uh we've taken applicants from from all over um i believe the family was from um we were from new york or pennsylvania last time um, but we we definitely take applicants from all over doesn't have to be local and um, taking into consideration you know everything that happened and what would be what we feel like you know what they feel like would be best for them the best responsible way for them to heal and um, 
and grow. So we, we want to give back like that. That's what we do with the foundation. Yeah. I mean, that's great. And anybody can go to it. It's the Bakari org. If you don't remember that address, just Google Bakari foundation. It pops, uh, it pops right up. Um, the application process is on, uh, the website, um, the backstory, uh, for Bakari is on there. You can, you can donate, you know, you don't have to be someone that lost somebody due to a, a senseless murder or tragedy or anything like that. You can just donate, um, anything you want, whether it's give a gift, donate through Venmo. I took the time today to, to donate, um, on Venmo, um, just because I like the story and, um, I wanted to, uh, you know, help in any little way that I could. And so, um, I'll definitely include a link to it uh, in the podcast and on the website um, when it goes up. But, you know, I I don't know the timing of everything from, you know, obviously we know it happened in, you know, the summer of, in July of 2017. Where, I, I don't remember what you said earlier. Where were you at in terms of your job? Were you in the – were you a firefighter yet when that happened or were you going through the academy? Where were you at with that? Right. So that was uh, 2017. I actually joined the fire department in 2014. So oh, okay. I was, so you, uh, okay. so I was in, yeah, it was, uh, it was actually, it's uh, seven, seven, 17. It was the day before, uh, I was the, so my dad was the last person to talk to it was the day before my dad's birthday. Mm. Um, yeah. The day after my dad's birthday. I'm sorry. So he told, he told, told my dad happy birthday and then the, he found out the news the next day. So, but yeah, I was in, I had been in the department uh, four okay. years, but three years i'm sorry okay well i mean thank you for what you do i mean just to be a firefighter and a an emt um during especially during these last couple of years i'm sure it's been even more challenging for you i mean I, speak to that as somebody who's in the in that type of industry um how have things been different the last couple of years with covid and um, you know, I, I have a, I have a buddy of mine who, um, joined the Academy, uh, here in Dallas uh-huh. and he was, um, yeah, he would tell me, I mean, every time I talk to him and meet up with him, he, he, the stories that he's told me, uh, what, from what firefighters have to deal with. And, and a lot of the stories, maybe 5% of them had to do with fires. It was just dealing with people getting calls. Right to go to houses because someone was having chest pains. Like he was just like, uh-huh. it's, it's not easy. And now with, and so I haven't really spoken to him as much in recent years. Cause he, he got out of the force cause he got married and had kids. So, um, he's not, he's not in it anymore, but did those, did, did those type of calls that, you know, increase because, you know, with COVID it's like, Oh, I'm having shortness of breath. I, I wonder if this is COVID and, and it's hitting me. And ended up being false alarms that way, or how how has it been the last couple of years? Um, it's I won't say it's died down. It's, it's getting a little bit more normal now, or we may just be may just be a little bit more routine now for us. But it was that uh, it kind of feels like you're playing catch up, you know. When it, especially when it first comes out, it's because we don't have the option to not work, you know. We yeah. we can't just not. So they're trying to find ways to protect us the best way we can, and still, you know, help people who don't know how to protect themselves. Because initially, when you know, we all remember when it came out that uh, there was bits and pieces of information, but there was never really uh, a fully set, like, we know this is what it is. We know this is the way to prevent it. We know, you know, so people were hearing, oh, this is a symptom. I'm going to call 911. I might have it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Should I should I stay at home or do I need to go to a hospital? Like, you know, things like that. People just didn't know. Our call volume was up. Um, a lot of guys, um, 
the morale, you know, was kind of low for the department. And a lot of guys were, you know, because we're getting this, a lot of the same information that people at home are getting watching the news. So we're trying to figure it out. And um, it was uh, it was kind of a scary time at first, just because you didn't really know what to expect. You didn't know exactly how, you know, transmissible it was. And you still have to do your job. Though. You still have to show up and, you know, you, you know, respond to these people and help them out. And um, with the information you do have, with the equipment you have. And then the PPE was kind of a deal for a while, too, and mm-hmm. not having enough uh, protective equipment. And um, that kind of made things a little strenuous as well. But uh we, we i mean we're getting through it and a lot of it like you said is i won't say false alarm but a lot of it is just information so a lot of times people just didn't know they don't know like uh they're, they're worried that you know they were in the house with somebody or they came in contact with somebody at work who did test positive you know and now maybe they're experiencing some experiencing some shortness of breath or things like that but the things we just have to reiterate is that you know if you're stable it's best just to stay home you know if you are stable things like that, uh, everybody felt like they needed to go to the hospital, which is yeah. flooding the system with, for the people who really do need to go. You know, So it's just things like that. A lot of it was a lot more of us giving information and trying to help people out in that way. But it did raise, or definitely raise our call volume up. And um, it, it made it tough for us just because you couldn't really conduct. A lot of times in between calls when you have a lot of strenuous, like, you know, taxing calls like that, you know, you get your – you, you get your your rest, your your relaxation, a little bit in, in bit, bits and spurts at the station. But when they're telling us, you know, even at the station, you can't eat around guys, or you know, you, you have to mask up at the state, like things like that. Like we can't really be around each other at the station to relax and unwind like we normally would. Yeah. In between these calls, it kind of made it um, a little bit more taxing. But uh, I think Houston's handled it pretty well, you know, considering the amount of people here so yeah uh, i am you know it it, i think it was just always ignorance on my part um just because i didn't it wasn't a a career that i chose to pursue and i didn't really follow it at all and i didn't know anybody uh in that until i I met my buddy about 10 years ago who got into it but Mm -hmm. i was just always under the assumption that firefighters put out fires like and that's and it's so far from the truth i mean if i were to ask you what percentage of the calls that you get are fire related. I got to believe it's less than 20%. I would say, yeah, I would say maybe 90% EMS, 10% fire. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, and it's just, you know, and, and there's so many other things that you have to learn. And I didn't really, it never really dawned on me until I started having these conversations with my buddy who was on the Dallas fire department. And he's like, Oh yeah, no, it's, <laughs> we rarely get fires. It's, you know, and you know, we know how to do them and we go training, you know, the training that he, told me you guys have to go through to qualify for that it's just like wow the stuff that you are put through they even yeah, actually they think i think they even had that on um you probably didn't see it because you didn't watch past seasons but one of the group dates was and I'm, oh god what season was it it was oh i'm totally blanking but one of the bachelorette seasons the first i think it was the first group date of the season was literally you know simulating going through the fire academy like drag a hose go up the stairs with you know a, ba- a heavy backpack stuff like that mm-hmm. sure you would have killed that <laughs> you you would have destroyed that group date um <laughs> instead of going playing fucking musical chairs <laughs> but um right. and i can't oh god i'm bummed i can't remember the season but yeah that ended up being one of the like group date challenges that they put the guys through to see you know who was strongest or or whatever but 
Yeah, I mean, the the fact that 90% of your stuff isn't even fire-related is is pretty amazing. I think most people, when they think firefighters, they think they only put out fires. And like, no, my buddy was telling me, he's like, we get calls from a, you know, 70-year-old guy who's at home and, you know, he's he's feeling lightheaded. And right. we get that call. And I'm like, really? Yeah. That's how it works? And it's yeah. just like, yeah, who, they, who else is going to call? A policeman's not going to show up at their house if they're lightheaded. Like, they have to exactly. call EMT slash fire. I was like, wow. I guess I just mm-hmm. I never realized it. But yeah, I'm sure you've had a, I'm sure you've had plenty of those calls. Yes, sir. <laughs> a lot of them. I mean, he, I mean, he would tell me after the fact that once the guys got back in the car or the truck, it's like, oh god. But in that moment, you can't, you know, make fun of somebody or right. be mad at them for doing that. But there's got to be a part of you that's frustrated when people it, do that it is frustrating like you don't want it's a i'll say it's you know i won't say the double-edged sword but it goes two ways like you on one end you don't want people to 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 really be going through something super super serious you know it's good that it's mild you know maybe they're blown about proportion a little bit or don't really know how to handle it yeah that's uh which is kind of annoying in the end like you said you know sometimes but which is but it is our job and uh, on the other end you do have this serious cause like you know sometimes you have like the wrecks where you have to cut people out on the highway or the shooting stabbings or, you know, heart attack, cardiac arrest, things like that, mm-hmm. which are, you know, you feel like, man, I'm really out here working. I'm doing my job now, but at the same time, it's at the expense of somebody who's having to go through that. So, you, you know, you don't want that as well, but yeah. And I think, yeah. I think the frustrating part about somebody calling 911 for feeling lightheaded is the fact that the fact that they have to send somebody out to that person's place when something could be happening somewhere else. That's, definitely a lot more serious and you're that person is now taking that time away from you getting to another place quicker that could end up saving somebody's life like that's it, the uh, part where it kind it, of it makes me yeah it's it's really good to hear you say that because most people who aren't in the department or don't know somebody who they don't they can't you know wrap their minds around that people that call us like you said for the routine things that they could probably just you know drive themselves to the you know clinic for uh, they don't think, you know, about that. Like, hey, you're calling us, and if your neighbor down the street, you know, has a heart attack, now somebody else from further out is going to have to come, and they're not going to get, you know, the proper response time that they need maybe to live. So uh, it's it's refreshing to hear you say that. Yeah, I was going to say, I and I wouldn't have known any of this until I met, you know, I met my friend who was, was in the academy. Yeah, I wouldn't have known. I, I probably would have done the same thing. I mean, I don't think – you know, at my age, if I was feeling lightheaded, I don't, I don't think I would pick up the phone and call 911, but um, it, I guess it would all depend on the circumstances. But yeah, I, I, I just hear this. I, I just heard all the stories that he told me and I was like, wow, I just, I, I had no idea that people did that or, and then the repeaters, like, you know, somebody yeah. that did that and that's not the only time they did it. And then they, you know, a few days later, they're calling 911 again for the same exact thing that you went out to their house with before. And it's the same solution. Like, Hey, just rest, you know? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's, I was like, wow, I had no idea. Totally in the dark about that. But that's, but like you said, the, I guess the, the positive out of it and for what you do is when you do get the, the important calls and, you know, pulling someone out of a car or putting out a right. fire that's saving people's lives. I, I mean, that's where it's got to be rewarding for you. Right, definitely. Yes, sir. Well, I mean, I think I, I mean I, I really like the story uh, of your brother, and I want to turn a lot of people onto it. And you know, I did briefly 
you know, three days before the filming started when they announced the cast. But, you know, once you didn't get a lot of time on the show and never got to tell your story, it kind of fell by the wayside. And I, it was always in the back of my mind, and I remembered it, and I knew I wanted to reach out to you. And, uh, PJ, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing the story of Bakari. It's the thebakarifoundation.org. Go on there. You can donate. You don't even have to, uh, you know, apply to be a part of this. Um, if you do have a family member or someone you know that um, died um, in a senseless tragedy, you can you know, apply and be a part of this. And maybe even can they, can can you still apply now and possibly be on the Costa Rica trip, or has that been decided? Um, it wouldn't be for this year, but for next year. Okay, so for next year. So by all means, check it out. The story of Bakari is on there. Everyone on the board is on there. So, PJ, man, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this story. And, uh, you know, good luck the rest of the way. And I obviously want to keep in touch to uh, find out what happens uh, in the retrial. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and thank you for the opportunity to get to talk about that. I really appreciate it as well. No, you got it, man. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Thank you so much to PJ for coming on. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. What an incredible story. What an incredible guy and family just to have to deal with that. And like I said, it's the BakariFoundation.org. You can go on there now, read a little bit more about it, read about Bakari, and donate if you can. I did um, the day I recorded with PJ just because I I wanted to. I felt it was such a good story that I um, just want to help in any way I can. So I hope you guys take the time to even look at it. <clears throat> you don't have to donate, but... It'd be nice, and I know I know PJ would appreciate it, and I'm glad I was able to give PJ um, a platform to talk about his brother more, and so we get more of the story than what's just out there on the internet. So thanks again to, to him for coming on. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated, and we are back next week with podcast number 277. So, for PJ Henderson, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. See ya!